Well, welcome to the Story of Hope podcast, where we're sharing the story of how Bible translation brings hope to the people groups of the world. My name is Alex Winslade. Um, I work at with the Bible Translators New Zealand, and I'm joined again with my co-host. My name's Esther, and I am the front person of the band Eversmith. We've been in partnership with Wycliffe Bible Translators New Zealand for quite some time now as their ambassadors. And so we are so thrilled to have our guest today, Darlene. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, yes, I'm Darlene, and I'm married with five children aged from 12 to 24 years. Wow, that's awesome. Five kids is a good effort. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, as you guys all know, we have a practice of praying for five nations every episode on the Story of Hope podcast. Um, So, and you've probably caught on that we go in alphabetical order. So this episode, we're praying for New Zealand, Nicaragua, Niger, Nigeria, and Niue. Would you like to lead us in prayer for those today, Darlene? Sure. Heavenly Father, we just bring before you these nations, New Zealand, Nicaragua, Nigeria, Niger, and Niue. Lord, all these nations, there are people who, who you love who don't have access to your word and their languages. And Lord, we know that you created these languages and these people with their unique cultures and um, we long for them to have access to your word. Father, we pray that you would raise up more people who would go into the harvest field. You say in your word that the harvest field is right, but the workers are few. So Lord, we ask that you would send out more workers. And in particular, we ask that you would raise up people to be involved in the work of Bible translation. And Lord, for those people in um, languages where there is actually scripture in their language already, but they don't know, Father, we pray that you would bring people across their path that would um, point them and show them and direct them to how they can access scripture in their heart languages. Father, we thank you that there's over 1,800 languages um, with scripture portions now available on new version. And so, Father, we pray that yes. people would be able to um, access that. Father, we thank you for the work that's happening, and we pray that you would raise up people from these nations who would serve you in the work of Bible translation too. And we thank you for the privilege of serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome. Well, let's just dive into our questions for today. Darlene, what excites you about Bible translation? Wow, we have so many great stories. And um, when a pastor from the Kiowa language received the newly translated book of Psalms, he was really excited and he showed somebody a blank piece of paper and he said, When we read the Bible in Portuguese, it's like this blank piece of paper. We get nothing out of it. But now when we read the Bible in Kiowa, it's like a clear crystal stream. We can see to the very depths of it. And a lady in Asia, she said, reading the Bible in another language is like eating a banana with the skin on. But now having the scripture in my language is satisfying like a sweet banana. I can't get enough of it. So that's what excites me about Bible translation. The Bible in someone's heart language touches them in a deep way. God's word is powerful. I love that banana analogy. That is fantastic. (laughs) I'm probably going to think about that a whole lot. (laughs) So good. Yeah. Yeah. I also like the analogy with the paper as well, like how, yes, you can be reading it, but it could just seem quite blank to you if it's not in a language that really touches your heart. Um, But Darlene, you also have a story about the power of God's word um, in your family as well, don't you? Yeah, I first learned about the 
power of praying God's word when our daughter was five months old and she just had her vaccines that we'd hand carried into this very remote place. And then I was all alone with her and suddenly she developed a really high fever that was above the sort of convulsion threshold. And I was really afraid that she might have a febrile convulsion and there was no good medical care around or anything. And so I picked her up and I picked up my Bible and I was flicking through the Psalms and I started praying the Psalms over her. So Psalms like Psalm 34 verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me of my fears. Psalm 16, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. And I would change those pronouns to keep my baby safe, for in you I take refuge. Mm -hmm. And as I prayed these scriptures over her, the fear completely left me, the peace of God overwhelmed me, and I knew she was going to be fine. So I took her temperature again and it had dropped dramatically below that dangerous zone. Um, And I really love Hebrews 4 verse 12 where it says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So, so, um, So now still when I'm reading the Bible and I see verses um, that apply to my situation or someone I know or my family, I'll pray them over our family. Mm-hmm. We had a similar situation in my family. I ha- I've traditionally had bad reactions to nearly every vaccine I've ever had. And one time I had a rheumatoid arthritic reaction. And so I developed big orange um, swellings on all of my joints and my mum came and found me in the bath just looking kind of like a, a balloon and uh, <laughs> and we, we you know we of course went to the doctor because we had access where we were but uh, I remember my parents praying over me and, and seeing the power of God in the same way and it's just it's so awesome and powerful to see how his word truly works mm-hmm. yeah uh, can you tell us a story of miraculous healing resulting from translating scripture into a heart language. Yes, um, Oscar is an Austra- was an Australian Aboriginal and he used to like to listen to a portion of the recording of the New Testament in his Garawa language with his wife Jeannie each evening. They'd sit outside around the campfire. And they had a son who had contracted a serious fever when he was six months old and was never able to learn to walk or talk. Wow. One night when Oscar and his wife were listening to Mark, um, it was chapter 11, verses 22 to 25, where Jesus is talking about faith and prayer. Mm -hmm. And Oscar leaned over and turned the recording off. And he said to his wife, I'm going to pray for our little boy. And he prayed a really simple prayer. He said, Father up, you make our little boy walk. And the boy lay asleep in his blanket by the fire. And Oscar and Jenny watched him as he slept. And then suddenly he moved, uh, awoke, and he pushed aside his blanket and he stood up and walked. And never before in almost seven years of life had he walked. Everyone was astonished. God's power was so evident. It was was neat, amazing. That is, that's truly incredible. Yeah, I love that story. Yeah, so cool. It's like... um, because he hears like stories like that in the Bible of Jesus healing people and getting up and walking paralyzed men and stuff. But it's really cool to obviously see that his miraculous power is still at work um, in the world today and that um, it just came from someone listening to God's word in their own language and realizing I can actually have that faith as well. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, that's neat. 
Um, so what languages are most Bibles being printed in in the world today? Well, it's totally unfair that 80% of the Bibles today are printed in English or Spanish, and that there mm. are more than 450 English Bible versions for 5% of the world's population. Wow. It's quite greedy, <laughs> isn't it? And only 10% of the world's languages have the complete Bible. So over 1,800 languages still need a Bible translation project to begin. Wow. Yeah. So it's 1,800 languages you say that don't haven't even started a Bible translation project? Yeah, that's right. And they're all over the world. In Europe, there's about 60 languages representing over 2 million people. And in the Americas, there's a, nearly 120 languages representing almost 2.5 million people. In Africa, um, almost 560 languages representing 16 million people. In Asia, 750 languages representing 124 million people. And in the Pacific, over 400 languages representing only 0.43 million, so much smaller languages. But, but work still, to be done everywhere. Yeah, but still, those people still need to hear the good news of the gospel. So just even though they're a smaller number in, in that area, it's still vital that they hear the good news. It's been an interesting part of, of my journey, Darlene. Um, we've done a lot of raising awareness with um, Bible translation and sharing those kind of statistics with people. And so many of them will say things like, well, why don't they just learn to speak English or learn to speak Spanish? And the stories that you've shared are so powerful because it helps people to understand why people need the good news in their own heart language and um, mm -hmm. so I really really appreciate you highlighting the the great need there is for for uh, translation around the whole world not just parts of the world right but the whole world mm -hmm. um, what do translators need to know about when they translate the bible into another language well they need to um, know the ABCs and A stands for accurate it's got to stay true to the original be um, for, for beautiful, it needs to sound natural to the reader or the listener, and C for clear, it needs to clearly say what the author intended. So uh, I can, can give you, you some... Yeah, some examples would be great. Some, some examples. Uh, in the Burrara language in Northern Australia and the Northern Territories, they only have one verb for movement, which is walks. And they use it for everything. So they say, a plane walks through the sky, wow. a fish walks in the water, a man walks on the water, a ship walks on the water. So if you were to translate Matthew 14, 25 into their language, where Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, they, what would they understand that to mean? Swimming. Moving. Yeah, they would, miss, yeah. <laughs> they would miss the miracle. So how could we translate this so that they understand that there's a miracle? I guess on top of the water. Would mm, that work? Um, it, possibly, but it's um, they may not use that type of preposition. So right. we'd say something like Jesus went out to them walking on the lake as a man walks down the road. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> And then here in New Zealand and in the West, we knock if we want to enter a home. Yeah. But the Zanaka pe people in Africa, they stand outside the house and call. 
In that language group, only thieves knock, and if there's no movement inside the house, they'll burgle it. In the Zelto language, they stand outside and cough. Although I don't know now with COVID if they'd do that because they might not open the door, right? (laughs) So in Revelation 3.20 where Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Um, If you translate that verse as it is, what have you told the Zanaki people about Jesus? Right. That is like a thief (laughs) knocking. Yeah. Yeah. And the Zeltal people, they don't knock, so they don't understand why you would knock. Right. So mm-hmm. um, if we want to translate this passage so that people can understand it, what would we say? You would say he's just calling? Yeah, we'd say, I stand at the door and cough or I stand at the door and call. Wow. And what's interesting is the second part of the verse says, if anyone hears my voice, Right. and opens the door. And when mm. we knock, we don't actually hear a voice, but you do with a yeah. call or a cough. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool how concepts are sometimes already interwoven in the fullness of a, of a scripture with a, uh, that where it, you can find a commonality, even if the language specifically doesn't work, um, mm-hmm. like such as, as what you've highlighted there with the Revelation scripture. That's amazing. Yeah, I like how those um, examples sort of emphasize on how it's really important when people do go to do Bible translation to actually understand the culture and not just learn the language and translate it word for word. But because if you didn't actually live, you know, in the community and learn their culture and what things mean, you wouldn't know that uh, actually knocking is actually like a thief, you know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You have to know the culture very well. Hmm. Um, so, what kinds of people do you need to serve in the work of Bible translation? Well, we need all kinds of roles. Um, so, managers, administrators, literacy workers, teachers, musicians, artists, anthropologists, pilots, language surveys, IT specialists, software engineers, and many more. Um, so, that if those if people are wanting to be involved directly in Bible translation, we can help direct them in the training they need. Um, or if they've already got a specialty field, we may be able to use um, that as well. Mm-hmm. So we need people who are willing to go full-time and serve in faraway places. But we also can use people that want to stay in New Zealand and do a remote role. Oh, I think a lot of people don't realise that it's not just linguists that do Bible translation. Like, you need a lot of other people to support the work. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and our greatest need at the moment is administrators, actually. So Wow. That's yeah. really that's really interesting. So any administrators out there, if you're feeling the tug <laughs> on your heart, <laughs> get in amongst and reach out to us. We would love yeah. to connect you and, and get you involved in the awesome work of Bible translation. So what can I do or anyone do if they're interested in getting involved? They can write to us for more information, but it's good to talk about the idea with other people. So talk to your church Mm -hmm. pastor or the missions board, pray about it. Um, It's important to know that you're following God's leading and that um, that it's a calling from God, not just your own great idea. We want people um, 
they have a servant heart, they have a, a, a real sense of calling from the Lord um, because the work's not always easy and you need to know that this is what God's called you to. Yeah. But it is very exciting to be serving God in this work. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us again, Darlene. It's been a pleasure to hear from you and in and, and ways that the Bible has impacted people. Uh, we will be back again next month and the second uh, Tuesday of the month with our next episode. And we are awesomely excited to announce that we are now as a part of the NRT network. Uh, so you can still find us everywhere that podcasts are, but we are particularly partnered with NRT. And we'd love it if you would like, share, comment, subscribe, do all of those things, ring the bell for notifications, all of that stuff. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Kakiteano. Yeah.